Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Uh, we're in the last Sunday of a series. We've been doing a series uh, this month, which we've called You Can't Get There From Here. And uh, I was listening to Pastor Russ's message from last week, and he kind of laid out a little bit of the background on it again. And I know it's been every week we've been kind of laying out the background on what's, uh, what we're talking about. We've been walking through the book of Galatians, and, and, and the point behind this uh, series is that uh, there's this whole idea that we can get somewhere by doing the right things. Okay, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, Galatians is about that, that we can somehow accomplish, God, get God's approval. We can, we can succeed if we just do the right things. But the problem is it's faulty. It's a faulty thinking. One, let me just put it this way, you can never be good enough. How many of you already know that you never feel like you're good enough? Good enough. I remember I heard somebody preach a message on good enough and I was just about ready to punch the guy out because like, what do you mean good enough? You know, you can never be good enough. Like good enough is not good enough. I mean, you know, uh, Ethan's a welder. How, you know, how would you like it? You know, one of your, you know, really important structural welds, you walk away on good enough. As long as it holds. In other words, it's got to be good, not just good enough. Yeah. I'm not, just remind me not to get you to weld anything important for me, but yeah. You know, good, good enough. Sometimes we get this good enough, you know, stuff's good enough, you know. And uh, the whole thing in Galatians is, is they got this wonderful message. And I, and I, I heard you got the quiz last week, so Galatians, uh, Galatia is not a city. It's a region. And uh, it's, uh, so he wrote this letter not just to a particular church, but to churches in a region because it was a widespread problem. And it is a widespread problem in our world that we uh, want to accomplish things and we want to get approval. In fact, it's part of our, uh, in fact, I think in some ways it's part of the human DNA. How many of you have read the book of Job? Anybody read? Uh, you, you got through it. Congratulations. First of all, congratulations getting through the book of Job. Uh, book of Job is a depressing book because the book of Job is all about Job's three friends trying to convince him that he must have done something wrong, otherwise his life would go better. Yeah. And you know what? That's the oldest book in the Bible, and it's the oldest mentality in humanity. Yeah. That if we just did something better, life would go better. And so let's not be too hard on the Galatians. That they got this great message, which was unbelievable, that you cannot, in fact, do enough to get God's approval, he gives it to you freely because of what Jesus did, and you just have it. I accepted Jesus, I just have it. That's grace. And along come these leaders, they call them Judaizers, said, no, hang on. Yes, there's grace, but you got to do a few other things to keep it. you got to do a few other things to have it. Anybody ever been in prison? I mean visiting. I mean, <laughs> oh, John, right, yeah. <laughs> visiting, right? Visit, just checking. Okay, visiting. You know, I, I, uh, when I was in Bible college years ago, 
I played on the, uh, we played, I played soccer. I was part of the soccer team. And uh, we were in a, in a league, a regional league, uh, football. And uh, we were in a regional league. And, uh, and part of our regional league, there were two prisons. I'm not quite sure, now thinking back on it, why a Bible college should be in the same league as the prisoners. But there was probably some connection that I didn't get at the time. But I, I remember going into to this prison, and it's, it's a whole lot different in prison than it is out of prison. It's not the same. Uh, you go through a whole rigmarole. We had to get approved. We had to go you know, through things, and, and, and everybody, everything's controlled. Everything's controlled. We're playing soccer this day, and, uh, and uh, our, our goalie was a big, big guy. And, uh, and I remember one of the forwards coming from the prison coming to him, and he was ready to punch him out. Like, he was just getting angry because we were winning, I think. I think. I think we were winning. And, uh, and he was just getting ready to, to punch out our goalie. And they shut the whole prison down because you just can't do that. You just can't do this. So there's, there's this real control thing when you're in prison. And Paul, writing to the Galatians, he, he gives us this understanding. He says, look, at real freedom comes in Jesus, not in what you do. And if you're trapped in, I call it the performance trap, I've got to perform to get approved. From the very time we're born, we learn that we have to do things for approval. Our parents, love my parents, but they disciplined me when I did something wrong, which meant that I only felt approval when I did something right. And then we go to school, and in school they have, I think they still have something called grades. At least a lot of schools do. Trying to get rid of them. Trying to, trying to get rid of them. Grade 10 and above. I, I, I'm in school, and uh, I look forward to my grades because I want a good grade because that means I'm good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Isn't that kind of part of our whole society? That This idea of being good? And... Paul is, is, is simply coming back to the Galatians and saying, hey, look at everything around us, our culture, our world, these teachers are trying to bring you back into a trap. It's a very natural trap. They're trying to get you back into this trap that you're only good for what you're good for. Let me take you, I just if you have your Bibles, I, I don't have it in the text this morning, but if you, go to, if you go to Genesis, this is right back from the beginning. Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, there's this story of man and woman sinning. And if you walk through this passage, and, and right in there, there's this, there's this phrase where it says, and, and if you've got your Bibles out, I'm sorry, I, don't, I can't tell you the exact verse. But it says, and Adam called Eve, he named his wife, he named the woman Eve. You at that point? Because she would be the mother of all living. He named her, gave her identity for what she would do. Right from the very beginning, after sin, we began to develop our identity out of what we would do. When God wanted us to have our identity out of who we are. That's why we talk a lot about who I am in Jesus, not what I do in Jesus. You with me? Come on, look at me. Are you with me? Okay, so let's, let's, let's go to Galatians. <laughs> Talk for 10 minutes, I haven't got to Galatians yet. Galatians, let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. We'll get through this. 
So here's what it says. So, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. That's in the New Living Translation. So Christ has set us free. So now make sure you stay free. Okay, stay free. So here's, here's our challenge today. It's not to get free. I, I, we'll talk that through, but it's not to get free. Jesus said it's free. Your job, your only job, your one job in life as a believer is to stay free. Stay free from the performance trap. Stay free from that identity that only comes from what I'm good for and what I do. It wouldn't take us long to go through the list of human maladies that come out of living for others' approval. The anxiety, the pain, the depression, all those kinds of things that come out of living for somebody else's approval. And the stories we know of teenagers who, my girlfriend broke up with me, I committed suicide. It's a few years ago, but I remember doing a funeral in the high school here for a young man who, at 15 years of age, took his own life because he was having a bad day. When we, don't get our, when we get our identity to what, out of what we do, inevitably we will fail. So our challenge, our job is to keep fighting to stay out of the performance trap. You know, one of the things that um, uh, I know about the law versus grace is that law is easier. How many of you like the rules. I want to know what the rules are. Just give me the rules and I'll follow the rules. You know why that's easier? Because then I don't have to think. Then I don't have to make decisions. Then I don't have to evaluate things. Then I can just go, oh, that was a dumb rule. I followed it and it's the rules fault. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> Took me forever to get here today because I was following the speed limit. Not like everybody else on the road. You know, we, we blame rules for things because rules, following rules is easier than living in grace because grace requires maturity. Grace requires us to grow up. But we have to fight for that living in grace. We have to fight for that because the tendency is always to fall back into, into what we do. Here's some recent stats uh, uh, with the, pri the prison system. Reincar uh, reincarnation. <laughs> Incarceration. <laughs> Okay, I wasn't talking about reincarnation. I was talking about incarceration and potentially reincarceration, okay? Get it straight when you go out of here. I'm not teaching a theological whatever, okay? It's, let's get straight. In, in Canada, these are the Canadian statistics since 2019. In Canada, there is a reconviction, a reincarceration rate of people who are in prison in our system in Canada, federal prisons, approximately between 41 and 45% of all prisoners in our prison system reoffend. And that's the same in most countries with a similar system, including the UK, who has about a 50% reoffending rate. And part of the reason for that is that when you're in a system, you get comfortable with the system and it does something to your mind. A couple of years ago, I was visiting a friend who had been in prison for a while, and as I sat with him across the table from him, I realized something. As I watched him, I realized that he was not the same as I remembered. 
He was sitting there and he was watching everything going on around him. I could tell he knew where every guard was in the room. He knew every person was in the room. And he talked about his community in prison. And I realized something that had happened to him is he had become what we would call institutionalized. Ever heard that term? Institutionalized. Here's something we don't realize as Christians. We've become institutionalized. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, because Paul understands that we have been become conditioned. Isn't that what institutionalized is? Conditioned to our surroundings. We've become conditioned by how we were brought up, by how the world operates around us. We have become conditioned to a way of thinking that says success means I do all the right things. Success means I accomplish this. Actually, success means I live in Jesus and that Jesus did it all for me. So Paul writes to the Romans and he says, he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The first thing we have to do to fight to stay free from the performance trap is we need to renew our mind. Renew our mind. We all have bad thinking. It's ingrained in us. You know, sometimes we say, well, why should I read the Bible? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to... Well, actually, the reason we read the Bible is so we find out what God wants us to think. It's not so much we need the stories. We want to find out what God wants us to think. You know, we live in a world when, when Christianity, when the Bible, when God, the idea of God is under attack. Probably if your kids are in school, they would have probably been taught about evolution. And, and let, me just, let me just say this about evolution. Evolution is, is, doesn't make any sense rationally. And I know it's easy to say that in this crowd. But, but the fact that there is a God answers one question that evolution can never answer. See, evolution says that we, that, that we have evolved based on an instinct to survive and survival of the fittest. Morality is almost always in opposition to survival of the fittest. Morality, it is impossible under a naturalist, natural evolution philosophy or theory for morality or ethics to develop. The other day I was walking in my apartment and as I came up the stairs, there was a $100 bill sitting on, the, on there. And I thought, oh, fine, you know, great. $100 bill. My first thought was, here's a $100 bill, and as good Christians, God's blessing me. <laughs> Gifts and surprises. My second thought was, somebody lost this, and I need to help find them, at least do what I can to help them get it back. Okay, can I, can I just say, that is not an evolutionary survival of the fittest thought. Evolutionary survival of the fittest thought is I have got money, more money than you. I can now succeed better than you. That's, that's, that's what it is. See, morality can never evolve. Morality only comes from an unchanging source, God. 
And so then that unchanging source, so when you establish that unchanging source in God, then I want to know what God says about how we ought to live. That's why I read the Bible. Because then I come say, okay, this unchanging source, I, this couldn't have happened in me. This couldn't have evolved in me because by my natural tendency, uh, none of these things, we wouldn't have monogamy if it was for evolution. Because that, that's not survival of the fittest. Right? We'd be driven by something else. So we have this morality. So we go to this morality and say, okay, here's God. So I don't want to be conformed to the world, but I need to find it in the word that God has given to us. So we read the Bible. And we renew our minds and we retrain ourselves in a way of thinking that doesn't seek approval from others. I'm constantly, I mean, I, I, I've been a Christian since I was like six years old, which is, I'm not telling you. And uh, it's, 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 it's a while. And that's 20 years plus. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. And, and, and I've been reading my Bible a fair bit of that time, but Every time I read it, like even this week, I just, I'm, I'm reading, even this morning, I'm going like, oh, I forgot about that. I need, I need to readjust this. Why? Because I tend to spend more time in the world than I do in the Word. And you tend to be mostly influenced by where you spend most of your time. So I have to be very intentional about the Word if I'm going to renew my mind because I'm fighting against the influence of the world. Does that make sense? Right? So it's got to be very intentional on my part to transform my mind because I have to fight, right? I have to fight and keep fighting to stay free from a performance trap. I'm going to keep fighting at that. So I'm renewing my mind. Second thing I'm going to do is, is, is I need to resist. I need to resist. Here's a, in... Uh, in um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 4, here's, what, here's what, how Paul's addressing the Galatians. He says, this, this matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. That sounds really bad. It calls them false believers. That's, it's really harsh. But I, I, I need to say, I, I want to say this carefully in, in how I say it, is, is the fact that most of us reinforce a performance trap in other people. Because we're all fighting to be free. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, there's this constant battle against us. It's in people. It's in here. We're not trying to do that. That's not our intention, but that's happened because we're so, it's, it's so much part of us. It's so much part of us. And, and we just have to be constantly on that sense saying, I'm, I'm resisting this. I'm not resisting you. We're, we're in relationship. We're growing together. Honest journey. Pastor Russ talked about this morning in our, in our team huddle. Honest journey. But I, I'm resisting this requirement to be approved. Yeah, there's skill levels. I understand competency. We're not talking about competency. We're talking about this sense of approval that I have in my heart, that I go home at night. I go, I'm okay. And God thinks I'm okay. It's that deep level within us that's constantly battling. We're constantly battling all day, and we're resisting. We're having to resist it. 
having to push back on it. In, uh, in uh, um, Matthew chapter 23, verse 4, here's how Jesus talked about it. He said, they tie up heavy, cumbersome, load, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they are not willing to lift a finger to move them. There, that's Jasmine was talking about marketing commercials. Marketing at its very core is designed to make you need something that you didn't need before you watched that commercial. Marketing is designed to make you feel that you are not complete without the item they are marketing. That you are not is that good enough? That you're not, whether it's successful or whatever the thing is, marketing does it. And we see marketing all around us. And we see a world around us who has, by and large, accepted the message of that marketing. By and large, the people that in our culture around us that we walk through, they, they are fairly much accepting of the fact that I need to do this I have to perform to be approved. That's why the church is such a contrast community. I know we're not talking about contrast community right now, but that's why the church should be such a contrast community. Because here, when we say, hey, you can come, you know, here's my age. There used to be an A&W commercial. Come as you are. Get in the car. Come as you are to A&W. Should be get in the car. Come as you are to C3 Revelstoke. You know, I mean, we, we have this intentional thing that says, hey, you can come here, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you've done good, done bad. We want the place full of people who are not very good shape, right? That are broken, that are, because there's a world around us like that. But we still have to resist this cultural thing. Now we've got to clean you up. Actually, we need to let Jesus work in you. My job isn't to clean you up. My job is to keep taking you back to Jesus. Right? And it's Jesus that does it because that's where the grace comes from, Jesus. So we're always resisting this culture around us. So we renew our minds because we've been institutionalized, but now we have to resist the culture around us so we don't go back because we've got to fight. It's the fight. Right? We've got to fight to stay free. Oh, we've got to stay, fight to stay free. So here's, here's the last thing I'm going to say. Now we have to reorient ourselves. How many of you know there's still Ten Commandments in the Bible? Well, there's more than that, but there's a Ten Commandments. You know, which, yeah, I, I heard this a week ago, and I thought it was really cool. Ten Commandments. How many of you know that, that, that one of those commandments is keep the Sabbath? Right? And this pastor said, he said, you know, he said, I, I got a revelation on the Ten Commandments when, when this happened. He said, I realized one day that if I broke nine of those Ten Commandments, I'd get fired. But if I broke one of them, I'd get a raise. If I broke all of the ones except for keep the Sabbath, I'd get fired. But if I actually kept the, but if I broke keeping Sabbath and I just worked, 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 I'd get a raise. Interesting. We need to reorient ourselves to why we do what we do. Being free doesn't mean we're now sitting here doing nothing. 
but it changes the reason for what we do, what, why we do what we do. I'm not doing this to get approved. I'm doing this because I have the opportunity. I'm doing this because I actually really think Jesus would like this. <laughs> Forget what show or I was watching and two guys were talking about <clears throat> picking up flowers for the wife. The guy said, he said, you can't pick those flowers up today because if you bring those flowers home today, you'll look like you're guilty. I've learned in just about 42 years of marriage that there are, my wife, uh, one of her love languages is gifts. She loves gifts. And, and I know that if I bring her a gift when she's not expecting it, it's great. And it means something to her. But if I bring that same gift two days after her birthday, It's no longer a received as a birthday gift that it, in all appearances, it is. Now it's a blood offering. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a, you know, it's a please don't kill me offering. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, hey, you know, I messed up offering. It's a guilt offering. It no longer, it's the same act, different motivation, you know, because the day before she told me how hurt she was that I hadn't bought her a birthday present, true story, and so the next day I went and got one, and she said, well, that doesn't, doesn't count anymore, right? See, here, here's the thing. We can do the right things with, and get the wrong results. We can do the right things because I'm trying to get God to approve me. I'm trying to get everybody around me to like me. So I'm doing all these things. Instead, here's what real freedom is. I get to do things because I love people. I get to go to church because I love hanging out with you. I get to give because I trust God so much that I know when I give, he's just going to shower back blessings on me. But I'm giving it to him because I love him, and I just want him to know that. See, it changes. See, it, the reality is motivation matters. In, the, in John chapter 8, and verse 36, the Amplified Version, it says, So if the Son liberates you, makes you free men, then you are really and unquestionably free. That's the goal. But remember, you have to fight to stay free. You have to constantly be fighting to stay free. In, uh, in Deuteronomy, I, I love this in Deuteronomy. Here's, here's what God says in Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy, just for those of you who don't know, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy actually means second law. So it's the second time that Moses is giving them the same instructions. He's giving, it's essentially the Ten Commandments the second time. Because, uh, quick theology lesson, the first time I gave them was 40 years before. They were in the wilderness. They had just come out of Egypt. They got this covenant with God, and then they spent 40 years wandering around the wilderness. And how many of you know what happened during those 40 years? Everybody over 20 died. So if you're over 20, sorry. And uh, over 20 died. And so this was a new generation who had never heard it before. So he's reminding them. 
He's reminding them. And here's, so he's reminding what God says. So here's what God says. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep my commandments always. I, I, I want you to catch what, what Moses is saying because it's really cool. He's saying their hearts are more important than the commands. I want their hearts to be inclined towards me. Then you'll keep the commandments. See, performance trap is this. I'll keep the commandments so you don't kill me. I'll keep the commandments so everybody likes me. I'll keep up the appearance. But God's purpose and what we're fighting for, what we're fighting to keep is this, God, I just so love you. I just fall in love with Jesus again. I just so love you. I'm so excited just to be able to help people. I'm so excited to be able to talk. I'm so excited to read the Bible. I can hardly wait what you're going to tell me today. I went to bed late last night. This doesn't happen to me very often. No, I go to bed late lots of times. That's not it. But I just ha I did go to bed late last night. Jean-Luc Picard had my attention for an hour. And uh, Star Trek. And uh, I got to bed at 11.30. And at quarter to six, I woke up. Our alarm goes out at six every morning. I woke up at quarter to six, and I went tired and go back to sleep. And I heard God say, you know, you've got a couple hours you can spend with me. I realized, yeah. I had a great morning, even before I got here. Because I got the chance to reorient. Reorient. See, Getting free, the, the challenge with getting free is we still want to do something to get free. But what we need to do is we need to renew, resist, and reorient. God, you have my heart. That's all that God has ever wanted from you, is your heart. He doesn't need anything else from you. He just wants your heart. That's why, you know, when I was growing up in church, we'd say, would you give your heart to Jesus? Because it really meant something. Because that is what God wants from you. Not what you can do, but who you are. And when we keep coming back, that's what we have to do. We keep coming back. Keep coming back, God. Here's my heart again. Here's my heart again. Here's my heart again. Daily do I seek you. Every morning I find that place with you. God, I keep reorienting myself. I'm with you today. And out of that reorientation, then I can do all sorts of things. I'm not crushed when I fail. Because my approval never was dependent upon my success. It was a, my approval is dependent on Jesus' success. You know, I, I often wonder what Jesus was thinking when he was on the cross and he said those words, it's finished. I wonder if he was thinking, you know what, nobody has to do anything else anymore because I already finished it. You ever have a to-do list and, and you get to that fourth item in the to-do and you come home and you, I got to do this thing and you discover that your wife has already done it 
or one of the kids did it, or somebody are you at work and somebody did it. It's already done. It's finished. It means I don't have to do it anymore. I think that's part of what it is. Jesus wants you to be free, but you've got to keep fighting to be free. You are free. You are free indeed. Hang on to it. That's the message Paul was trying to get to the Galatians. You're already free. Just stay free. Just fight for it. This is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for in your life. It's worth fighting for in the life of your family. It's worth fighting for in the life of your friends. And I want to pray for you this morning. Let's bow our heads. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.